Before we head into today's episode, we'd like to give you a quick update. The Blue South is about to finish Season 1. We will be starting Season 2 on Saturday, and it will feature a panel of rotating co-hosts and two episodes a week. But before then, we hope you enjoy the final episode of Season 1. Thank you for your support. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Blue South Politics Podcast. We've got a lot of ground to cover today, given that one of the most exciting events of the year, the Democratic National Convention, took place last week. Special surprise in store for y'all today, but first the news. Hurricane Laura has strengthened to a Category 2 hurricane today, threatening large parts of Texas and Louisiana. Laura has already wrecked havoc on Caribbean islands, killing nine people, and is expected to strengthen even further before making landfall on Texas and Louisiana. A mandatory evacuation is already in effect for, resident, in effect for residents of Jefferson County, Texas, and Orange County, Texas, is recommending a voluntary evacuation. Now, obviously, this doesn't connect directly to politics, but in terms of infrastructure, function, uh, bigger picture stuff, what, what are you guys' takes on this? Of course. And uh, may I add, it actually strengthened to a Category 4 hurricane today. Oh and it's huge. Yes, it, it's absolutely huge because uh, I remember they were predicting it would be a Category 2 hurricane. But uh, as as you clearly see, it's literally a Category 4 hurricane, which can uh, wreak absolute havoc and death upon if uh, not properly evacuated. So I definitely think it's really important to evacuate. Uh, I mean... <laughs> I mean, if you can deny the virus, then hopefully you can. You can't deny a hurricane, yeah. right? So this yeah. will, this it's will a potential like disaster in the making. And I mean, this is like the last thing we need, especially with COVID going on and all this. You know, the racial tensions and everything that's happening right now. Um, it's just going to be. I just hope it. I just hope it isn't mismanaged like um, Hurricane Katrina was, or like Hurricane Maria was, or like COVID so, was in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So. Um, I just hope that um, everybody stays safe and that um, minimizes damage as much as possible. Um, so, yeah, those are my thoughts. Hopefully even uh, the exact same people that were affected by COVID and unfortunately are the working class will not be hit uh, with 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 this storm because that would be proved to be absolutely devastating because uh they may not have a way to get out and evacuate so i hope uh they're taking the necessary measures to help those people and i think that's very important but speaking of helping people uh the united states is actually seeing a decline in covid cases uh, according to john hopkins university uh their data shows that this past week averaged about forty-seven thousand three hundred cases as of wednesday uh, down from a peak average of about 67,300 on uh, July 22nd. Uh, additionally, the seven-day average of test positivity rates dropped uh, to 6.3% as of Thursday, uh, which is a decline from eight, about 8.5% 8 in July, according to the COVID tracking project. Uh, so this decline in cases and test positivity rates can be attributed to the increased adherence to social distancing, uh, mask mandates across country, which is super, super important. And luckily, people are finally right. listening. Exactly. <laughs> and the same, the same idiots that are out here, you know, calling COVID a hoax, my, pardon my language, you know, these are the people a lot of times, not to point any fingers, these people often associate themselves with the Republican Party. And especially on social media, and I think what a lot of what we've seen at the RNC as well, they love to brand themselves, you know, the party that employs facts and logic over feelings, you know, the alternative here being the Democratic Party. 
And I find it really interesting that the same people that claim to be a part of the party of facts are the ones completely ignoring, pardon me, ignoring data sitting right in front of them. Well, quite possibly one of the most obvious conclusions you can draw from this, you know, is that mask mandates and social distancing orders are effective. Um, I'm very happy about this new data. Um, I think it's I think it's really good that uh, people are finally taking this seriously, and hopefully we can see a um, you know hopefully this decline continue, continues um, you know through uh, through the fall, and hopefully we can kind of um, start to reopen the things that we want to reopen um, you know once it gets to a safe enough level, and maybe we can see schools go back. Um, but you know, like I said, that we cannot let our guard down. We need to keep keep up with the mask, keep up with the social distancing. Um, stay at home as much as you can, and uh, hopefully we'll, we'll be able to weather this. So, Well, hopefully now, uh, in a few weeks, we'll actually be able to say uh, what we said in March, that this virus is under, under control. control. Something that Trump said <laughs> yeah. in March, something that Trump said in April, something that Trump said in May. Um, but uh, aside from you know this this good news, um, protests and riots have erupted in Kenosha, Wisconsin, after Jacob Blake, an African American man, was shot by police seven times. So Blake is currently in the hospital in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and he's reportedly paralyzed from the waist down, but in stable condition. Um, and they they don't know if this if he's going to be permanently paralyzed or not. Um, we just have to wait and see. But an investigation has been launched by the Kenosha County District Attorney. And a report on the policeman's conduct will be delivered within 30 days to the DA's office by the Wisconsin Justice Department's Division of Criminal Investigation. Um, we saw protesters disobey an 8 p.m. Monday curfew in Kenosha, and some of the demonstrations erupted into riots when cars and buildings were set ablaze. Um, so for me, I don't condone any violence. I think nobody should be setting things afire. Nobody should be burning cars. I think it's ridiculous that they're doing that. But at the same time, we need to protect the right to peacefully protest. And I think... What happened here in um, Kenosha, Wisconsin, was the um, tragedy. I, I'm praying for Jacob Blake. I hope he makes it out okay. Um, and I think an investigation needs to be launched so we can hold people accountable and see if um, if you know something if something wrong did happen. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on that? Well, obviously, well, you know, Daniel, you can go yeah. first. Oh yeah, thank you so much. Yeah. So I, my question to you, uh, all both of you guys, is uh, should killings on the internet should murder should videos of people being murdered is it now normalized that I, I saw this today and i was astonished to think that over the course of uh like four months i have seen probably four plus videos of people being shot in the streets on instagram uh these videos are being normalized and that's exactly the problem. I don't think that people are looking at the fact that, look, we have someone who literally tried to uh, drive away. He tried to protect his kids. I think that was the story that was reported. And uh, he he was shot seven times. I mean, not even once, right? You would think that they, even if you had to resort to uh, guns, to using a weapon that could physically kill you, you would only shoot once, right, to uh, temporarily stun the target so that they couldn't get away. But no, the officer fired seven times, which does not mean that, no, they were not trying to just um, stun the targets so that they could not get away. No, they were attempting to obviously kill the person. Right. And in what can only be described as a rant yesterday on TikTok Live, something that I kind of want to reiterate now, 
Uh, in all honesty, I believe that though the people who engage in riots and violent protests supposedly in the name of Black Lives Matter are just as bad as the people supporting the cops and the people that are against, you know, police reform. They're giving Black Lives Matter a bad name. They're painting a picture that the Black Lives Matter movement itself is that of a terrorist organization, which is completely and totally false. And I think the fact that people don't see how counterproductive this is, is really frightening and they need to be educated. Yeah. I've, I've been hearing like lots of people have been telling me, Oh, how can you support this movement? All of these looters are breaking into stores and stuff like that. Well, the whole point, that's not the looting. It's not the looting lives matter movement. It's not all that. Sure. There are going to be people in any movement that you look at that are going to take advantage of the situation, take advantage of the fact people are out on the streets and try to cause havoc, but that's not what the movement is about. The movement is obviously about uh, protecting the lives of, uh, of the people who are getting killed, you know, uh, African-Americans. Unfortunately, this has been happening for too long. And I think uh, one time is too many. And uh, just this, uh, just, just this previous time really showed you that, it's it's time to make a change. Yeah, and 100%. I also I, I I would wish that you know well well I think everybody would wish that you know Mr. Blake would have you know complied with the police um you know the police you know when they were ordering him to step out of the vehicle or you know stand stand down, um but I it, it definitely does not justify shooting him seven times. Um, he sh- first of all the police should be involved with de-escalation. They shouldn't be escalating the situation. Um, and yeah, it's like not I said, their, right. It's not their job to, you know, rough justice, pass judgment based right. on whether or not they should be able to kill someone when they're resisting arrest. That's exactly. just stupid. Yeah, I, but I, like I said, at the end of the day, I do wish he would have listened to the police in the first place, but it does not justify at all him being shot seven times. So, yeah. Right. Well, now let's get to our main topic of the day, the Democratic and Republican National Conventions. Ronan, why don't you lead us off? convention took place last week and was widely praised. Joe Biden's late night speech was a big hit as it destroyed Republican talking points that Joe Biden was not a good speaker. And um, even some Republican pundits actually praised Joe Biden's speech, especially on Fox News. Um, I think what, what turned uh, I think her name is Dana Perino, one of the Fox News, you know, Republican pundits, whatever. She was totally praising Joe Biden's speech. Um, and, you know, some of the key some of the key speakers included Michelle Obama, Bernie Sanders, um, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. And two thirds of the of the past living Democratic presidents, um, these nights were focused on unity and defeating Trump. And each individual speaker were doing their part to rally up their respective support bases. So, as you know, we have you know the Bernie, the more liberal side of the Democratic Party. Um, Ber- you know, Bernie gave a speech to kind of generate support from his end of the from his side of the Democratic Party. Um, and then you know somebody like uh, Michelle Obama, somebody like Barack Obama. You know they have their own kind of support bases from back when they were back from their administration. So they tried to rile up their their base as well, um, and they tried to gather as much support for Joe Biden as possible. Um, and you know the event ran incredibly smoothly. It was fully virtual. That kind of you know there were doubts about whether a virtual convention could really work, and it ended up going very smoothly. Um, and uh, Daniel, do you want to kind of talk about this this tweet right here between the DNC and the RNC's uh, roll call? Yeah, so before we get into the DNC and the RNC, uh, one of my favorite things that I saw on Twitter was this tweet of uh, the delegates and the roll call of states. And uh, on the left side is the Democratic 
uh, the National Democratic uh, Convention uh, with states such as, uh, you, you know, like Arizona, Colorado, uh, Hawaii. And on the right side are the exact same states, but everyone from the RNC. And what's, what's really funny is that everyone in the RNC uh, are these older uh, white gentlemen Meanwhile, on the left, you've got people of all all skin colors, all um, races, cultures all and ethnicities, all cultures and backgrounds. <laughs> and what's really interesting <laughs> about this is that now I realize that as a Democrat, I sort of have a built in bias. But what you can clearly see here in the picture in front of me, you know, the, the Democratic National Convention, in my opinion, aesthetically was put together far better than the RNC. I mean, looking at it here, we've got representatives from those states standing in front of landmarks, you know, landmarks that their states are known for. We have uh, yeah. the woman from Arizona standing in a desert next to some cacti. Colorado, they're in the mountains. Hawaii and Alaska, they're on the beach. And on the right side, you see they're all just standing in front of the sign RNC 2020. <laughs> <laughs> as much as I hate to admit from shoulders up, they all look like the same person. Yeah. And exactly. uh, if I just want to, yeah. I want to add on, um, you know, the kind of the theme of this DNC of the Democratic Convention was that um, we need to bring people together. We need to we need to um, bring different people of different ethnic groups together. Um, we need to advocate for Black Lives um, and you know all the other social issues that are going around around the country. Um, and also the convention after Joe Biden's acceptance speech, he came out um, of the arena and the convention it ended with fireworks, um, horn honking flashing headlights of all the people that were waiting in their cars outside of the place where Biden gave his virtual speech. So that was a pretty special moment as well. Um, it was just a really, uh, you know, it, it was a really unifying time. So I thought I would right, really exactly. like that point. Yeah. And before, before we leave, well, actually leading off in the RNC section, you know, to be called uplifting and positive is one thing. I mean, that's definitely what we saw on the Democratic side here. Uh, Republican National Convention, like I said in my rant, I guess you could say yesterday, was nothing more than fear-mongering and pushing of, you know, almost neo-racist propaganda. It is the complete opposite. The event is being centered around an attack against Joe Biden and his supposedly communist agenda. What's, agen what's ironic is that his agenda is surprisingly moderate, considering that Bernie's agenda takes some of his steps a lot further. Some things include rallying the term patriot, use of God to appeal to the Christian voters, which is sort of ironic. Because none of Trump's family members ever served in the military, so patriot doesn't really apply. Biden himself is a devout Catholic. <laughs> and earlier this week, even, a secret recording was leaked of Trump's sister criticizing the president. What a surprise. And seemed to have confirmed what we already knew about the president, including his trouble with the SAT. Even saying, and I quote here, his goddamn tweet and lying, oh my god, I'm talking too freely, but you know. The change of stories, the lack of preparation, the lying, holy shit, unquote. <laughs> it really makes you wonder if the walls of Trump Tower could talk, what in God's name would they say? Exactly. Uh, it's just it's just another one of it's just another one of like Trump's closest whatever, like closest <laughs> associates. Exactly. Just, just talking bad about him and like or, I mean or, I mean telling I mean telling the truth about what he really is, you know? I mean I'm not surprised that she came out about this. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I mean, okay, okay, okay. So, I think I mentioned this on a previous episode, but like, how many people will it take? Right, we've already had like what, like six yeah. people, right? Books how, about how it, many people? Right? First, we've already had at least. 
We've had a sister, you know. Who else does Also, it how like, many people with the name Trump were speaking the RNC? Like, I swear to you. Oh, yeah, I think it was like, like five out of ten. It was Trump like five reunion. out of ten. Exactly. It was, <laughs> it was even, hilarious. Don't even, don't even get me started. Figures like Donald Trump Jr. tried to paint Joe Biden as a radical leftist, someone who would cause the destruction of suburban neighborhoods. And I quote here, Democrats and their communist tactics are trying to eliminate the suburbs. Yeah. Senator Tim Scott, a denier of systemic racism, proceeded to criticize Biden's work on the 94 crime bill, calling it systemically racist. And this, of course, is not to say that the crime bill wasn't flawed, but to say it is contradictory. When they say Joe Biden's a tool of the radical left and will bring dis- destruction to our neighborhoods, and then they criticize Joe Biden when he wrote a bill to deal with violent crime, which wh- what, are, what are they trying to get to here? Exactly. And for me, honestly, the point that really, really got me mad was when we started looking at the speakers of this convention. Now, all of these uh, speakers are famous in their own way. And keep in mind, they're they're very prominent uh, faces, but in their own way. So like, for instance, we got Nikki Haley, right? Very, very respectable woman. Uh, she, she was sold the governor. Of course, of course, before she was uh, uh, she was governor of South Carolina, ambassador, and um, now, like you said, she sold herself to Trump. And however, she was a critic of Trump. And I saw videos where she was absolutely criticizing his behavior. Uh, but now she's rallying behind him, which really makes you question the loyalty of everyone who first, uh, first of all, opposes him. And now, um, Trump is Trump is their yeah. god. And, and, you and know? Paul, if I could just add on to what you were saying, like. Uh, like I said, they're, they're criticizing Joe Biden, saying he's a tool of the radical left. He's going to destroy the suburb, the suburbs. And then they criticize Joe Biden when he wrote a bill to deal with violent crime. Now, that bill was flawed. But still, like, what? which one is it, Republicans? Is he tough on crime or is he not? Like, they're just so contradictory right now. I don't understand what they're trying to get to with Biden. It's just a conflicting messaging. It's just a, it's just a total uh, circus. Exactly. And adding... Yeah, and adding on to the speakers, we even had like Nick Oh, Sandman, that racist, that racist uh, Catholic teen that was in D.C.? Yes, yes. Yes, yes, yes. So he, he actually had a confrontation with a Native American. Uh, he was both, – both parties were uh, protesting in their own mind at the Lincoln Memorial. Um, Nick Sandman's uh, school, uh, they, had, they were from a Catholic school. They were at the March for Life, and uh, they were protesting for the March for Life. But there was a, a a confrontation they had with the Black Hebrew Israelites, uh, which prompted some shouting between the two groups. And actually, Native Americans who were also protesting, uh, they actually came to intervene. And one of the uh, Native Americans, he was beating a drum, and he was walking up to the Catholic students. And he ended up actually facing Nick, uh, Nick Sandman, uh, this uh, this Catholic high schooler. And instead of, you know, uh, like helping him and stuff, the the students actually began to surround uh, this solo Native American, disgusting. and Nick Sandman started to sneer at him, and he it was very very disgusting. But afterwards, uh, the reporting got out; it was it, everybody was very very mad, and unfortunately, some people actually managed to misreport the stories, which prompted Nick Sandman to sue uh, people like MSNBC, CNN, and he actually ended up winning a non disclosure. Yeah. 
Uh, end up winning by non-disclosure from CNN and MSNBC, and this is actually a priding moment for him uh, because he believes that he has destroyed the media, that he has been destroying the liberals. And now I actually went on his Twitter page the other day, and he was talking about how, oh, this Native American guy is uh, – he's, he's a horrible guy, Nathan Phillips. Oh, my gosh. He's trying to use – yeah, he's trying to use the media to spread his liberal agenda. I, I was so disgusted by this because I don't know if you watched the interview with him, but he had an interview and uh, they were actually he, – he was saying, oh, I'd be open to uh, speaking with him. I'm sure he's a very nice fellow. And at, I, those are not Catholic values. Those are absolutely not Catholic values. But that's not the only, only controversial speaker that was there. Uh, the couple that actually aimed guns at the BLM protesters – uh, gave a speech at the RNC, which uh, was absolutely disgusting. The people literally do, did not support the movement that is aiming towards saving black lives. And may I add, the couple is white. Of course. Um, yes. So, I don't know, guys, what do you think well, about this? Well, it seems as though, yeah. yeah, it seems as though they were kind of, didn't have that many people to choose from. A racist Catholic high school student, uh, redneck Bonnie and Clyde and a Wisconsin dairy farmer. That's quite, that's quite the lineup. <laughs> also, oh, oh, and, and Trump's family. You got forgot to say oh, and Trump's oh, family. The entire Trump brood along with them. <laughs> and, and so, and you know, these, the, the couple that aimed the guns, I think they were named, uh, I don't, I don't, I can't remember the names, but I just know that this couple was the one when, on their RNC video they were talking about like the radical left and like oh the mob's <laughs> the gonna... radical left yeah and, and they were like oh the mob's gonna come to, to your neighborhood too <laughs> and, and i'm like it, it's just it's just another one of their circus show antics that they're putting on about you know joe biden and like oh your your suburbs are gonna be destroyed i just i, I can't stand it anymore it's just yeah. It was really, really disgusting, yeah. and uh, the, the biggest difference between the two events was uh, while the Democratic, um, while the Democratic convention was mainly used to unify the Democrats against Trump, uh, this event was used to take Joe Biden and paint America as like a dark, dismal, uh, disgusting place with him as president. Uh, how uh, all of the protesters, all the BLM protesters, will be knocking at your doors with guns. They will be trying to kill you. And it was meant to really scare you into voting for Trump, which is a tactic literally used by dictators. Whoa, scare yeah. tactics, wait a minute. Which, wait a minute. Knocking at your doors with guns? Gee, I wonder who lets them do that. <laughs> and so, and also I will mention at the end here, um, you know, President Trump is scheduled to deliver his, his acceptance speech for the Republican nomination tomorrow. So we will see how that goes. I don't expect it to go very well. I expect it to be uh, pretty much the same as what we've saw these last three days with the convention. So, uh, yeah, I was actually, I think I was, I think out of all the speeches that I was most uh, impressed by, I was probably m impressed by Melania's speech only because she actually trusted her speechwriter and didn't copy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She didn't copy. <laughs> she didn't copy. Didn't copy Michelle, Michelle this time. Great perseverance. Yeah. And might I add, might I add, not a single pressing social or economic issue aside from the painting BLM as terrorists who was discussed at all. I, I, there was very little mention of coronavirus or any any of the problems that Trump has simply failed to Or any to of the address. deaths of coronavirus. Oh, oh no. Let's nobody forget, nobody forget mentioned 200,000 Americans that are six feet under right now. Oh, no. Let's just not talk about that. Let's, let's talk about how the people 
protesting against racism are somehow terrorists. And let's get a racist 15, 16 year old Catholic high school student on there to spout BS for 15 minutes, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Not only that, but let's also talk about how the Democrats are trying to take away your guns. <laughs> They're trying to take away. <laughs> oh, by the way, I would just like to add, I actually, uh, at school the other day, I actually got to meet this girl from uh, Australia. And it was really interesting because she just moved here in December. Like, what a horrible time to move exactly, to the U.S. Yeah. Like, in December when, when all this stuff happens. But she was telling me about how uh, the gun buyback program there is very, very efficient. She said, literally here, we do not – we it, there, we didn't have any school shootings, no nothing. Like, the gun buyback program really works, and it rewards you for uh, turning in uh, your firearm. And it's like, who needs a firearm, you know? It's like, I understand, yes, you can you can be protected. Uh, and this is a discussion for another day. But for me, the problem is, yes, I understand people use it for protection. But unfortunately, a gun uh, in a home is not as safe as a gun that's not in a home. And I think that's really important. And we're looking at pl- other places around the world, and they do not have uh, more deaths by guns than we do. So I think that's the most important thing. That and, and um, you know, Donald Trump Jr.'s uh, girlfriend, I, I believe it is, Kimberly. Oh, her Kimberly, screaming well, rant. Well, 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 let, well, let me. Kimberly, <laughs> well, her name is Kimberly Guilfoyle. And she was, she, she says, she mentioned something about her mom and said that her mom was an immigrant. She came from Puerto Rico to the United States. But what she didn't really seem to communicate was that Puerto Rico is part of the United States. Ooh, so, Whoa. so, Whoa there. so I, I, it honestly, you know what it says to me? It says, it says to me that she doesn't really think that Puerto Ricans or she doesn't know that Puerto Ricans are, think are Americans. And I, I just, it's so dumb. And I, I don't know. Yeah. She's like, Oh, wow. 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 Uh, well, some people there speak a different language. Yeah, hold up, exactly. Hold up. You it's just, alert. it's just you ignorance. That's all it is. Yeah. That's all. Well, in terms of politics, that's all we've got time for today. But before we bid y'all goodbye, we'd like to introduce Melina, the newest addition to the Blue South team. Hi, great to be here. I'm so thankful for this opportunity. I'm very passionate about social justice and discussing current So starting in season two, we'll be uploading two episodes a week, one on Saturday and the other on Monday. Now with Melina as a host as well. You can check out her bio on Instagram, on our Instagram page, at the Blue South. Anyways, thanks for tuning in. We hope y'all enjoyed our coverage of the DNC and RNC, and hope y'all come back Saturday for our newest edition. I'm Paul. I'm Daniel. And I'm Ronan. And this has been The Blue South. The Blue South is made possible by David Vandelay, who created our theme. And also by the graphic designer who rebranded our logo. You can find him on Instagram at Gustavinsky8. And of course, special thanks to all of our listeners and Instagram followers. You are what keeps the Blue South going.